Hey, happy hour friends. In likening to DVD bonus material, today we have an episode for you. Uh, recently, we released The Craft with Jen Wexler and Heather Buckley. Our friends, go check that out um, on our feed for the full episode. Um, but we got a special treat for you today. In this little episode, uh, we speak with Andrew Fleming, who happens to be the writer and director of The Craft. So, Check it out. Okay, Matt, we have a very exciting guest here. It is truly, truly my honor to get to speak today with the director and co-writer of The Craft, uh, Andrew Fleming. And I mean, Andrew, you've had such a diverse uh, career. I mean, starting, you did films before The Craft, but obviously The Craft kind of goes to a new you know, stratosphere of a uh, sort of, you know, uh, experience or like, you know, viability and like seeing, you know, like eyes getting on it in the world. But you've also worked on Arrested Development, uh, Michael J. Fox show, Younger. I mean, so many episodes of Emily in Paris. And honestly, personally, my favorite um, that I think just shows your your range so much, The Craft and Dolly Parton's Heartstrings yes. on Netflix in 2019. Yeah. I mean, I look on the surface like multiple personality disorder. <laughs> But uh, yeah, I, I just, it's, a, I look back and it wasn't the plan. I, I just, if you've done one kind of thing, I kind of want to do something else. Like the first movie I did was a horror movie. And then the second one was a comedy. And then the third one was the craft, which is a horror movie to a certain degree. And then after that, I only made comedy. So it was really very, I, I remember one, one of my agents once is no longer my agent saying, boy, Andy, you really don't make it easy. Uh, <laughs> Nobody could ever say, well, that's what Andy does. It was always, I was always evading any kind of pigeonholing. Yeah, absolutely. How did, so, I mean, we obviously are talking very much about the craft on our podcast. And it seems like from everything I've learned, urban legend sort of surrounds this film, you know, like the, the stories and the process of the witchcraft and everything that was happening and kind of mirroring the story and some elements or not. So, I mean, do you remember any of the, the craziness and were you aware of it at the time you were making the film? Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I don't know specifically what you're talking about, but um, uh, it was really while we were shooting it that some strange things happened. But, I, right. you know, they oft reported, but... It was a complicated process getting the movie made. Um, I was sent it originally just to do a rewrite. And they said, if you're interested in directing it, you can direct it. But I didn't want to do another horror movie. So I said I would just do the rewrite on it mm. and, and did the work. And in the process of rewriting, I did a lot of research uh, about paganism and witchcraft and, and uh, you know all of that. And met a lot of witches and pagans and went to ceremonies and things. And it, it was suddenly like uh, what what I was seeing, the reality of Wicca was so much more interesting than whatever, whatever I'd ever seen in a movie. So I thought there was an opportunity to do something that felt, um, you know, real on, on some level that you could buy it. Because my favorite horror movies are things like Rosemary's Baby. Oh, mm, yes. Kind of a basis of folklore and reality there's a baseline of reality and then you sort of gradually get taken into this you know magical uh nightmare and um so yeah that was that was sort of the idea behind it but at a certain point i was so into it that i said i wanted to direct it 
it was right when they said, well, we're going to start going out to directors. And I said, well, maybe I want to direct. So, <laughs> you talked uh, yourself into it over the process. I did. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Um, and uh, I was going to, on that, I wanted to ask, I guess it's, uh, again, is this, the, the lore of it and the reality of like the, in the end with the, with the, the bugs and the maggots and the snakes and everything, um, the practicals of that and like the house being sealed um, and roaches being bred, not being able to reproduce. Um, is this, uh, is this, is this right? Yes, there were, there was a, a bunch of roaches, but they were um, sterile so that they wouldn't, if they got away, they wouldn't reproduce and, and infest the, the stage. The most of the house was on a stage, right? Um, but there was a real house that matched a, a, a practical house that matched the front hallway and the living room, I believe was the location, whereas the stairs and her bedroom upstairs were um, were the set. There was some overlap, but you know we had all those critters uh, in both locations. The 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 one real mishap was we had the snakes outside on the stairs, and the uh, animal wrangler Boon Nar, who's like a Gonzo guy, we're a great guy. Um, he wanted to have a record amount of snakes, so he brought ten thousand snakes. A lot of them had tiny ones, so he had them in buckets. He had these giant, like, oil... <laughs> buckets of snakes. Like, like oil barrel-sized buckets, and I just look, you take the lid off, and it's like, yeah, there's like a thousand snakes in there. Um, oh but it was very strange. But it was a cold night, and so when we put them on the ground, he says, by the way, when snakes get cold, they just freeze up. They just stay still to conserve energy. And I said, oh, okay, great. So we put all these snakes everywhere and they just look like rubber snakes. They weren't. <laughs> <laughs> so we ended up having to shoot that, but then we shot snakes against green screen that were moving and we matted them on top of the, the real snakes. Oh, that's hilarious. So like in the end, it probably was more work to have the real snakes than yeah. would have just been to rubber. But we got the record. (laughs) That reminds me, years ago, Matt and I were making a short film that I was directing, and it was just a little thing. We had butterflies that featured in it. And it was in the middle of the night in this awesome location in New York called Fort Totten. We're like in this old, like, tunnel, like this concrete, like, you know, where they used to store cannonballs and stuff in the Civil War. And it's freezing cold, and we've got all these damn butterflies, and they do the same thing. When it's cold, they don't move. So we got like a heater in there, and you're like trying to warm them up, and then quick, quick, get the shot. Yeah, I'm do something. literally blowing on these butterflies to give them some hot air <laughs> that would wake them up. <laughs> I actually remember now there was a, a question of should we use real butterflies in the scene where the girls are in the forest and the butterflies right. swarm around them and. And the animal wrangler said it's just impossible. They're impossible. You can't can't work with butterflies. So we um, <laughs> were making a movie at Sony, and they had just started this visual effects company, Sony ImageWorks. And they we talked to them, and they said they were interested in writing proprietary software to map butterflies' movement and you know to create software because none of it existed, and that was really the beginning of digital effects. So they wrote software specifically for those butterflies in the 
movie. Oh, wow. And it's a great scene. It's I mean, so you, beautiful. You that have moment. so many like forward thinking kind of effects. I mean, I think even the end, like the, the snakes and everything. I mean, it goes nuts at the end where, you know, things are changing and she's becoming snakes and all that. I mean, when you were oh, filming that, in her mouth. Yeah, like, yeah. 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 And a lot of that was digital effects, right? Yes, at the end when she's uh, when Feruza kind of turns into Medusa and has her, yep. that that was all digital. Yes, and uh, in that sequence we didn't have any real bugs or snakes; everything was digitized, and uh, uh, it, it was it was not a very big budget movie. So the effects that are throughout it, my my theory was it should really be something you haven't seen before because if it's sort of just you know if we're spending money putting clouds outside a window or something like that, mm-hmm. then it's a point to it. It should really be, everything should be magical. And um, the we, we really didn't have enough money to do the ending of the movie properly. So we kind of did everything right, except the ending, we kind of gave it short shrift. It was a fight between Sarah and Nancy, but it was kind of quicker and not as messy. And my theory was like let's get a good preview and then the, the studio was very reluctant the whole time we were making the movie so and they really said you can only have this much money and we were really struggling against the budget but when we had a preview we had the first preview it was off the charts the only thing is people were a little bit disappointed by the ending and the studio had this really brilliant idea of like why don't we spend some more money on the ending and i said okay <laughs> let's do that so that's when we shot that scene where her hair turns into snakes and that that little part of the fight we added mm. uh, like, yeah i think it was a george lucas says like you know it's you know not filmmaking is not like it's not making the best film it's making the best, best film, film under, under the, the circumstances. circumstances yeah yeah and that feel- really um, um, and I, it's no matter how big your budget is or how little it is it's the same thing you're doing the most with the the money and the time that you have and that's really all you can do yeah of course i mean it doesn't tell I me mean, to your credit this is like when i think watch watching this i'm like god this takes me right back to you know high school in the 90s i mean it is just it, it feels it is like quintessential and, and that's 90s. not that's not effects you know what i mean that's not effects that's that's texture and it's tone tone and just it, it, in my opinion you really nailed it like you really feel that time and place in that film so much it was uh it was weird because the like when i got the script it was about four girls and witchcraft but a lot of the storylines were different uh i added the burn scar thing for bonnie Mm -hmm. that was it was a character there was a a girl in college who apparently had scars all over her body but she wore a lot of clothing so you never saw them and it was more disturbing to not see them um and the 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 racist thing the original character wasn't black in the original script and i I said there there has to be somebody who's not a white person in 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 the four and was mirrored something that happened in my high school that was not that but it was it was a form of kind of you know horrible bullying and so I, i i personalized i brought in a lot of uh, things that had happened to me because my my experience in high school was not John Hughes. It was not you know right. the prom, and, you know flirting. It was really it was it was a very academic school and it was an all boys school and it was a religious school. It was very intense and a lot of people buckled under the stress of it and it was it was like dark. It was very gothic and I thought like I want to see that. I've never seen high school you know 
scary high school. So um, we were just, yeah. So we were just in Fright Fest in London, and uh, and and I was mentioned to somebody. I can't remember where we were having a pint somewhere, and we were talking about the craft. And I was like, "Hey, we just did this podcast, you know, uh, on the craft." And the the response was like immediate. They were like, "Oh my god, the hair in the shower!" They're just like, and that I think is probably one of the most lasting because it is, man, it's pretty (sighs) gruesome. Like it's very, very yeah. The Christine Taylor moment with. And the yeah, the scars you, on her the head scar and the blood, like with her hair, it's like ooh, it's just so tangible. <laughs> you know, like some people think that that's really funny and and kind of laugh about it. And and I will say, when we when we shot that, I was <laughs> this like evil like laugh thing going on. People like I thought I was a horrible person, but it was you know it was uh, yeah. I guess I'm a horrible monster, <laughs> <laughs> crying hysterically in the shower. Um, so yeah, do, I love her too. She's great. I've worked with her a couple of times since then. Do, so let me ask, do you ever go back and like watch your earlier work at this point? Like having gone through such a storied and varied career, like is this something that just lives in memory for you? Or do you, is this continually come up? Time. I haven't seen it in a long time, but it's, it's, it's the movie that comes back into my life continuously. I, I you know, people talk to you about things you've done. But it's like, I'm, I don't think a day goes by where somebody doesn't say something to me or send me a message or DM me or comment on some, something constantly. Uh, so it's like, it's alive. It just never goes away in my brain. But I don't, I don't know. I, I, I think, I remember at the end of it thinking the script was, script was pretty good, but it was, it was flawed and that. It, once we saw the movie cut together, we had to kind of rearrange things and reshoot and restructure it a little bit. So I wish the script had been sharper to begin with, but it, it ended up being okay. But I, 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 th- I remember thinking it was pretty well directed. I don't know. I, I, it's, I, when I watch something back, I just think like, oh, I would have done that differently. Oh, ew, look at that. Oh, that's terrible. You know, I, that's all I do when I watch something that I've done. But I think that's probably most directors. Um, yeah going back I'm, well and this uh, this was your, your third right this uh. is the third the third movie i i did but the thing is i was i started making movies when i was like a little kid i right. made a bunch of high school and then i went to film school exactly. where i made somewhere around 30 short films <laughs> right so i was very i was very busy um yeah it was a it was a I was very type A when I was very, very young. I'm a little bit more relaxed now, <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> things go and take it easy and let have fun. Um, but it was a, it was an intense experience. It was also very intense because um, it was really half day, half night, the whole thing. So that meant that we were constantly going back and forth. We would start on days on Monday, and we'd end up shooting all Friday night and Saturday morning. So it was... Right. Everybody was jet lagged constantly. Like every single week was that schedule, except the, the few weeks we were on the stage. Yeah, but, those are those are the most brutal weeks. They start like at four a.m. and then you end up with an overnight Friday night. The Friday, it like that's a ugh, that's a that's it's rough, rough for everybody. <laughs> Our earliest call I ever had was on the craft. I think it was two a.m. because we wanted to be shooting at LAX at dawn to do this shot of the theme building and her getting out of. Oh. Getting into a, a car, uh, and we had to be there 
before the ready to shoot before the sun came up it was so brutal 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 wow how did the uh cast come about on this because it was quite i think from what i read it seems like it was quite a process to like get this up and going it was it was actually the the most difficult part of the whole thing was casting it because i, I went in and as soon as i was directing it, i said like i just don't want you know just every celebrity girl that's on tv to be in this movie uh, and, you know, at the time, there wasn't a whole generation of young actors that was really just like Winona Ryder. Right. And we knew that she was not interested and she was she was too big of a star. She just wasn't interested. So it was we really had to go find people. And um, the studio kept suggesting like celebrity A that's on this sitcom. And I was like, you know, I, I'm not emotionally invested in that person. And I would bring in you know, uh, indie actor who'd only done one thing. And there was just a lot of uh, friction about it. And it went on for eight or nine months, the casting part. And we we made test deals with, I think, 85 young women. Wow. Which means they came to audition and then we would go to a, we would go to an office or somewhere and put them on tape properly. And we did that, I think it was 85 people. And I, everybody that's, that generation i saw they came in and i, I don't like listing them but like people who went on to win oscars sure and i could them approved and it was a, it was a process but um uh the, early on in the in the process i saw i'd seen feruza in gas food lodging and i and then i met with her and she's a practicing pagan and she was just so i got this is the person um and actually before that Rachel True came in and she was just so funny and she was she had such a great look and she was very, very smart. And uh I she was the first one cast, and then Feruza, and then the other two parts were very elusive. Originally Robin Tunney was playing the part that Ned Campbell plays. And uh then we asked her if she would be interested in the lead and she didn't really want to do it. I kind of had to twist her arm to be the lead of the movie. Um <laughs> so eventually said yes. <laughs> that's a, a that's amazing i mean that is quite the process and yeah you you did indeed see everyone of that generation that's in that's incredible so andrew i want to ask like last question here is we really appreciate you taking the time right, to last, and a, half, last, last and, and a half last and a half okay i was gonna say like <laughs> you know over having done so many different things and having such a journey here what what have you learned you know what i mean because we're like you know or we're earlier on our filmmaking career here we have one feature film out we're moving on so to the next one what have you learned kind of over time that you know if you'd known when you were younger you know would have been useful for you well, it's, you know, it's all changed so much, uh, so much, because I, I won't even say how long I've been doing this. But um, I think the thing, the thing that has been my guiding principle from the beginning, and I didn't really understand it, was that for the most part, um, I've felt like pursuing projects where I, where you say, I haven't seen that before, or, 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 or haven't seen a version of that in a long time, or I haven't seen the best version of like that. Like I, I, you know, at the time that the craft was coming about, there were no teen horror movies. There, there had been years before, you know, uh, slasher movies, but that had kind of run its course. Right. And horror movies had kind of become about Freddy Krueger, and there were they were they were very much one thing. And there, there weren't movies about teenage girls. There, I think there had only been 
maybe um, Clueless. Mm-hmm. Clueless came, I think Clueless came out while we were prepping, but there wasn't a genre of 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 teenage movies. And uh, and I so I felt you know, and this sounds kind of crass, but I felt like there was a need in the marketplace. Like I feel like nobody nobody's making that movie do that, pursue that. And it's harder because people say, well, that's not what's popular now, but, uh, it, 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 it did fulfill a deed and it was, you know, it was a popular movie out of nowhere. Uh, and so I feel like everything that I've done, I, I feel like it's really important to try to be original, to do something that you really haven't seen before. People say, well, I, I need to check that out because it's, it's different. Uh, and then at least at the very least, then you've been original. <laughs> um, Horror movies are hard because it's there's such a code to them. It's like there's a, these are the rules. This is how it works. And we really tried to to break them. You know, not very many people die in the the movie. It's really like one person, um, two, mm-hmm. uh, and it it doesn't follow the the rules of most horror movies. It's kind of uh, it's, it, it, and it's also I think one of the things about it is that it was I, I is no. Accident that I became a comedy director. I think the movie's kind of funny. I mean, there's a lot of it that's meant to be fun and funny, which um, I think is really important in a horror movie. But anyway, the original that would be my number one. <laughs> yeah, no, that's that's fantastic. I, I think my last one is kind of along that, uh, which would just be one of the biggest surprises from the reaction to the movie. Um, whether it be an immediate reaction that after its release or just now that we're, you know, um, uh, some years beyond it, just one of the biggest surprises to the, uh, that you've had to the reaction of this film. Well, it was a surprise that it was number one at the box office that week. It was, I wasn't expecting that. I wasn't even, I didn't even think that was on the, the in the cards. I mean, I'd done two other movies and they, I think one had opened at three and another one had opened at four, one was two and three. I don't know. But uh, uh, that was a surprise. But I, I, I was out of town. Whenever a movie comes out or a show premieres or something, I try to be out in nature or somewhere like separate and living my life and not you know waiting for the box office number. But I do remember the first time we previewed the movie, or the last time we previewed it, and some of the trailers had been playing, and people had sort of understood what it was. And we showed up at this preview was actually here in the Shokes in Sherman Oaks. And um, half of the people in the line for the theater were dressed like those girls. They were kind of goth. Mm-hmm. And it, we're goth didn't even exist. And I was like, oh, okay. I guess there's an audience for this <laughs> that uh, they, they, they all look like the characters in the movie. Well, I think that there's definitely proven over time there's an audience for this. Yeah. I mean, I know... I thoroughly enjoyed it. I know every, you know, so many people that watch it that really swear that this movie was unique, exactly what you were trying to do. Yep. And I, you and know, one of the greatest nineties movies of all time. Absolutely. And thank you very much again for making the film. And thank you for taking the time here to come chat with us for a few minutes, Andrew. Absolutely. It was a pleasure. All right, man. Well, thanks again. We'll uh, talk to you soon. Okay. Thanks. Thanks.